Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi. Today, we have a different session planned than usual. But before I talk about that, I want to start by saying thank you. We have been live for almost uh, two months. I've had the opportunity to talk to so many people I admire in the industry and who have essentially learnt my craft from. I've loved it and it's, and it's been awesome. And it's been great that I've been able to share that journey with you. I'm grateful for the random messages from people who have provided you know, really awesome feedback to me about the show and how much they, uh, they're enjoying the podcast and how it's helping them um, in their job and in their day, you know, daily grind. Um, but why the different flavor for this session? Well, look, it's the second week of February. And for, you know, for most of us, we probably started, we've started with a bang where you know, we've already either, either closed deals or we're focusing on building our pipeline and prospecting and you know, getting some momentum so we can have a strong quarter. Um, or we're focusing on those bigger deals. And I just want to say, you know, the, the you know, early second week of February, it's an awesome time to really build that momentum. So what we're going to do today is we're actually going to go back to a number of episodes that we've already done and take, you know, small components, some, some real gems and combine that. Um, the real focus is going to be on prospecting. It's going to be on getting that message right, and you know what do you what you can do to engage with different prospects and really fill that pipe. Yeah, because this is the time we can really have a massive not just quarter, but the actions that we do now will help generate. You know, the next 30 days will essentially generate the activity we need for the next 90, 120, 150, 180 days. It's amazing what a strong prospecting, you know, month can do for a year. So again, what we're going to do, we're going to take some really good clips, make them into real tips, very short from each of those episodes with the likes of Mark Hunter, Larry Levine, um, Tony Hughes, and even Daniel Disney around, you know, how do we, what are those prospecting methods and how do we get that message so we can cut through and really get in front of the target prospects that we're looking to engage with. Uh, last thing, look, if you haven't already, please jump on, rate us, like us, wherever you, um, you know, wherever you listen to the show, share with it, and also connect with me on LinkedIn. I've, I've loved getting random messages from people giving me feedback. Um, or if you don't want to connect on LinkedIn, just send me an email. Send me an email and say, hey, this is what I love about your show. Hey, this is what I don't like about your show. Or hey, we'd love to hear this. Because essentially, I'm on a mission. I want to create some content, talk to people that can help you. Because, you know, I haven't done this process of introducing myself to you guys. But essentially, I started this because... I found that early in my career, even later in my career, I mean, I didn't have access to content and I I looked for it, I searched for books and, you know, so what I want to do is, is, is make this about you. It's, a, it's to get these content, bring it together and say, hey, this is it, because I'm doing this stuff, right? Um, I do this every day as well. I love selling. I love everything about it. So um, feel free, connect with me, send me an email hook up and uh, tell me what you like and, and yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, hope you enjoy the show. Please tell us what your definition of prospecting is. Yes, my definition of prospecting is educating, informing, and bringing the customer to an enlightened sense 
that they see value in what you have. Now, let me let me cut all that. Let me cut all that aside. <laughs> what it really comes down to, it's helping others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. That's really what prospecting and sales and oh by the way leadership is all about. It's helping others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. Wow, that is so powerful when you actually think about that. Um, Mark, you've already mentioned a number of times words such as help, value, create. Look, I coach a lot and and train a lot of salespeople and sales professionals. And often um, we ask the question when we commence training or, or any sort of coaching, when you think of a salesperson, what are some of the words that come up? And a lot of people come up with negative words. Um, how can we change that perception? You know what? This is this is a mission. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because this is a mission I'm on. I mean, I, I before I got into sales and, and even early in my sales career, that that was a definition that I subscribe to. Salespeople are slimy and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I have done a complete 180. I am so sales. But here's what it is. Salespeople today have to be authentic and transparent because the internet, and it's going to stick around. You know, the internet's going to be kind of a big <laughs> thing here. Uh, you know, you can't hide. You can't hide. So you have to be authentic and transparent. And And what does that mean? That means you have to do everything with a level of integrity to create trust and confidence. That's really what you have to, because if you don't, if you don't, you have no value proposition other than low price. And low price is not a sustainable competitive advantage. Oh man, you're so right. Uh, Absolutely love your response and thank you for sharing that. Mark, in your book, you talk about the evolution of prospecting was not caused by email and technology. Please expand on this. Yeah. Well, you know, this is what's so funny because people always love to say, well, the telephone is dead. The telephone, <laughs> nobody answers the telephone and all this sort of stuff. And and you know what? I mean, you, you, you can sit there and, and argue, is it harder to get people to pick up the telephone? Yeah, it is. But I mean, before we hit record, you, you shared with me about a, a very key individual that you called and he answered his mobile phone. Wow. Yeah. Boom. People <laughs> do. People, you know what's funny? When you call the right person at the right time and you have the right message, people will pick up. People will respond. Now, what's very interesting is, is we've gone through an evolution. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it because we've got email, we've got social media, we've got so many different communication platforms. And everybody wants to respond. Everybody wants to be communicated to in their favorite platform. Now, what does this mean? For some people, in fact, this is interesting. I I was having a great discussion with a gentleman from Australia just earlier in the week, and he was telling me that the value of of mail, surface mail. And that's terrific. That's terrific. I love it. Now, for me and my market, where I am in the United States, it doesn't work. You see, so, and again, it's, it's, there is no one size. Last time I went to a shoe store, it was amazing the different sizes of shoes they had. Why? Because everybody's foot is different, you see. And that's really what prospecting has, has evolved to. We have to do different things. We have to use different approaches to reach people. 
In your opinion, what's the best way to start a conversation on LinkedIn? Okay. And uh, Joe, I was talking to someone else about this very recently, and I think a lot of people like you and like me, I'm a traditional salesperson. I spent the majority of my sales career making cold calls, knocking on doors, all the traditional stuff. Um, and a lot of people take that mentality onto social media, which is kind of the mistake. So they take the sales mentality and they just see social media as a platform to do it. And actually social media, but it's social, it's a social network. It's more aligned to like business networking where you, go into a business networking event, walk up to someone and just spew a sales pitch on them, you would start a conversation, get to know them, ask them questions. And that is where you will benefit more through using social media to, to start those conversations. Mm-hmm. Actually asking questions and, and starting genuine chats as opposed to trying to sell to someone. So my messaging has always been and, and always will be start actual conversations asking questions you know uh, uh, most common one i literally just recorded a video actually before we uh, we started this uh, this podcast interview, which i'll post later today uh, where i talk about how you can turn a profile view into a sale and the core message being it's about sending messages those messages being light and conversational so my ones will tend to be hi thanks for checking my profile i'd love to know what you and your company are doing about social selling I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not advertising anything. It's just curiosity. Okay. So it's really about discovery and getting a better understanding of that particular prospect and their needs. How important is mindset when approaching a prospect on social channels? It's, it's very important. And again, you know, there are different types of salespeople out there. And I think the ones that perform best on social media, the ones that are genuinely on a mission to help people, you know, they just want to find, they want to sell to the right people. There are some salespeople that want to try and sell to anyone and everyone, and they will happily make hundreds and thousands of calls and send hundreds of thousands of spam messages. You know, it's just sort of a spray and pray type of mentality. And uh, I think to have the best potential success on social media, you kind of need to, you know, look for the right people to work with. And I think that's actually a, quite a transition within sales in general at the moment. It's about finding the right people that can benefit as opposed to just trying to sell to everyone. Okay, so it's about making your efforts really targeted and specific to that target persona we are working with. Yeah, 100%. Let's get into a real-life scenario that you know I find it challenging, and I'm sure many listeners would also find it challenging. We found a reason to, to contact someone. We created the right narrative, sent an email as part of our outreach process, um, but what do you do when they don't respond? It's a really good question. I get asked that quite a lot. And it's, you know, by no means are there any tricks that are going to make everyone respond to you. But we're all busy. Your prospects, your customers, they're super busy. You know, we have to respect that. So one of the tips I, I give in that scenario is to socially support your prospects. And uh, I had a conversation with a guy who runs a local LinkedIn local event, and uh, he referred to it as massaging, which actually made sense. I also thought that was a bit creepy. I don't want to start suggesting salespeople massage their uh, their prospects. But um, they chances are that they'll be doing stuff on social media. They might be creating their own content, but they'll probably be engaging with other people's content. And so you can start to do that as well. If they write a post, like it, click like. Don't undervalue how powerful clicking like on someone's post can be. It feels great. And imagine if you can do that to your prospect, they will start to look at you in a positive light. And if you can just keep doing little touch points like that, you warm them up. Or as my friend said, you massage them to a point where they're then 
going to be more encouraged to reply to you perhaps when you either try and call them um, or send them another message later. And that's the other tip from this is, you know, don't just use one platform. If you've sent them a a, a message and they've not replied, pick up the phone. And it's funny because I, you know, I often say that I don't get up in the morning to make money. That's not my driver. Um, I don't see sales as a mechanism to make money. Like there are far more easier ways to make money. And I say this because true selling is hard work. And that's why I love Jeffrey Gittemore because he's as blunt as it can be. He tells you if you want to be the best in sales, you've got to be prepared to do the hard work. He doesn't sugarcoat it. And I know whenever I've had really great, you know, months or or billing years, it's been because I've got a shitload of rejection. I've had a, a you know a number of people hang up on me when the prospecting stage, or I've had a number of proposals go out when I probably shouldn't have gone to proposal, and they said no. Um, you know, and so, and that, that's why, that's why I'm a I'm a sales learner. I'm a you know I'm still the student of sales because no matter how much I do to master my craft. I've still got a whole lot of learning to do. So I really, really appreciate what you've just said about asking our loved ones and asking the people that um, around us, who are we? What we have to do differently? What are the values that we need to live in order to be better people? So thanks very much for sharing that. Yeah. No, dude, it's, it's, it's my pleasure. And I agree with, you know, what Gittimer, you know, told you is yeah. sales is hard, right? And, you know, everyone's looking for the silver bullet to success because nobody wants to do the hard work. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it just, yeah. it cracks me up. You know, it, it absolutely cracks me up that very few plan, very few yeah. practice, very few prepare, but yet they want to make six figures yeah. a year. Right. Sal, you know, in, in commissions and salary, however you want to all smash this together. But, but here, here, here's the big, here's the biggest crock of crap of them all. And this is why I just, I I just pick (laughs) apart tenured sales reps is, you know, I asked him, I said, when you got into sales, what did you do? Well, I worked my ass off, right? I worked 12 hours a day. I prospected all the time and blah, blah, blah. And I was constantly learning. I said, then what changed? Now, why is prospecting beneath you? Why is learning beneath you? What happens if you lose one or two or three of your top clients, right? What happens if your employer decided to strip all your accounts away and now you got to go and get brand new business again? You'd crap in your pants, right? Yeah. You probably quit and, and you'd probably quit and go find a job where somebody gave you a base again so you wouldn't have to do the basics. That's what cracks me up. But how many, like, this is what, how many salespeople that you talk to, and we let's call them sales reps, is that they only do training when the company puts it on or, you know, or they're not looking for, you know, further education to, to help them get better at what they do. And I find that really difficult because if I look at the best athletes in the world, you know, the ones, they're the ones that are working harder. You know, the Roger Federer's, oh. you know, Tiger Woods, you look at them, they, the amount of effort they put in in that preparation stage. And I bring that, I love that fact that you talked about preparation because, you know, when I um, have the pleasure of coaching and the privilege of coaching salespeople and sales professionals, I often talk about role playing, you know, and before going into a meeting, do you role play? Do you say, this is how I'm going to set the meeting up and this is how I'm going to build rapport, some of the questions I'm going to ask or what's the research that you've done? And so many people are against role playing. 
And I'm like, well, oh, you know, you wouldn't yeah. go to a tennis, you know. You, these guys don't go to a, 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 the US Open or the Australian Open and, and go, well, I'm just going to show up. Um, because as what does Jeb Blunt said, you show up and you throw up, right? Oh, my God. So, so, he, so this, because I write about it in my book. Yeah. And, hey, this and is so awesome, forth. Larry. It, I'm having a lot of fun with this, mate. So thank you oh, very much. Sir. But no, dude, I, I mean, you're getting me fired. Yeah, <laughs> you're actually, I'm on a rampage on this one. <laughs> because I see, because there's so many times that people go, you know what? There's so many similarities between professional sports athletes and sales, the sales profession. And I go, really? Yeah. Really? Because what sparked me writing parts in, in my book was based on a comment that I made on social. Yep. And, and I'll condense it, but I go, you know what? How can you, how, how can you honestly compare professional sports to sales when professional sports athletes are held accountable yeah. to practice every day, prepare every day, watch game fill, role play, right? They're held accountable to all these standards. But can the same be said about the sales world? Yeah. And, and, I would, and I would submit to everybody who's listening to this, there's very few, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say that with all sincerity and all conviction, there is very few salespeople out there, sales managers, sales leaders that hold their sales team accountable every single day to practice, plan, and prepare to do their job every single day. Very few role play. Yeah. And very few come to work every single day prepared to do the best they can possibly do. So then how in the world can you compare these two? You can't. No, you can't. It's impossible. Yeah. You can't. I mean, we can throw the freaking analogies out all day long and, you know, and all this. I want, you know, the, the other one is, yeah, you ask a sales manager. I would, I'd love, I'd love to hire sports athletes and sports minded people. They're athletic. They're competitive. I said, yeah, but you're throwing them into a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. You are. I mean, seriously, you're, you're throwing this guy who's or lady who's held, who's been held accountable to do all these things because they have that competitive spirit, that drive, that determination, right? Yeah. The grit, the grind and all that. And then you're going to throw them into a cesspool in your sales bullpen. Mm. How long before that person either leaves or succumbs to their surroundings yeah. and now they're not grit grinding and growing it all the time. They succumb to all the other sales BS that's going on. Yeah. Think about that one. Yeah, and that, and, that, and so just if we take it back a step to the, you know, we want to move away from that empty suit, and then you've 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 just said some really hot things. I want to capture it. Practice, plan, role play, be accountable to those because, and and I want to connect that. A lot of you know sales reps go, I'm accountable because I got my KPIs and I've got my you know my performance enablers and how many people I need to see and how many people I need to close, etc. But they're irrelevant because. If we're not practicing, if we're not role playing, if we're not prepared, we're just doing activity. And so, you know, I, I really love the fact that you've been able to help us um, break up how to, you know, how to move away from being that empty suit. So, thanks, Larry. Yeah, no, no, you, no you're very welcome. And you know, I just, I just want to preface something because you know, there, there's probably some listeners, and there's always Debbie doubters out there, right? Uh, uh, this guy's is full of crap. Hey, listen, I practice and I prepare and I plan every single day for one simple reason is I podcast, I write, 
right? I role play. Yeah. I role play with Daryl, who I co pot, who was the co-host of my podcast. I do all these things, mm. and, and and that's what I share with people is I can look somebody and I say I get what you're doing and not doing because a I eat my own dog food and my dog food is gourmet level dog food and I love eating my own dog food, but I practice what I preach. Mm. That's why I know everybody has the capability of doing this. It's the will do and the can do. I use various tech platforms to help me gather key pieces of information about my prospect. And then I put in my CRM, I'm, 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 I'm integrated my CRM with my Outlook email, and I'm managing the outreaches so I know exactly how many outreaching attempt it takes to get in front of a, my, my prospect. But talk to us a little bit about the average contact attempts because there's um, a number of different figures being thrown around and, and you've made mention of this and i think it's super important because a lot of people stop attempting to call their prospect after two or three times yeah um what's your view on this yeah uh there's there's been lots of research um uh if you if you if you bring all that research together here's here's the summary um what what we know for sure is it's almost never one attempt to get yep. someone. Yep. Um, uh, it's always more than seven, and it can be up to sort of thirteen. Right. So it's depending on whose numbers you want to look at. It's between seven and thirteen attempts. Well, wow. bef- before you'll get engagement from people. Um, but but in the same way that that numbers never lie and numbers never tell the full story. <laughs> yeah. in, in in the same way with, with this particular area, it can actually be pretty deceptive because it's not just the number of touches, it's the way in which you execute them. Yep. So what we know is this, if you use one channel on its own, it, it does not work. If, so if you just send email, it's easy for that to get ignored. Um, you know, if you uh, just leave voicemail messages, it's easy for them to get ignored. But what we found was it's the combinations of activity in short, sharp succession that actually grabs someone's attention. So what yep. you want to do is you want to phone in, in the mornings. Now, if we're up in Singapore, I wouldn't be saying that this was the time window because, <laughs> for example, in Singapore, they just start later in the day. But yep. in places like the USA, um, the UK, Australia, if you're a seller, you want to be in at work by quarter to eight every morning and you want to begin your day uh, on the phone. So yep. so forget checking your email and LinkedIn and heading off to get coffee and breakfast. Just down a Red Bull and get on the phone for an hour from quarter to eight to quarter to nine. Then you can go to the bathroom and as you're washing your hands, you can look yourself in the mirror knowing that you've just done in one hour what yep. 95% of salespeople around the world fail to do in a whole week. Yep. Um, and you, you get on the phone and uh, senior people, it's the best time to yeah. get them is in the shoulders of the day, right? So first thing in the morning, if they if they don't answer, what will happen is this person will maybe will be on the train heading into work. Yep. They'll see their phone ring. They won't know who it is and they won't want to take a phone call on a crowded train, so they'll dump the call. Next thing, their phone will beep, oh, the person left a voicemail message. They'll yeah. be having a listen to the voicemail message, <clears throat> ding, oh, there's an email that's come in. They'll be reading the email, ding, there's a text message from, from the same person. And what they think is this person's determined. They're obviously very determined yeah. to get hold of me. <laughs> yeah. And so, so long as your value narrative is about them and what matters to them in terms of results, yep. right, or key result areas, 
what will happen is even if they ignore you that first time, when you go run another combo next week yep. and then another combo the week after, that they will think, man, this person's determined, I may as well call them back. And and you know the story of Jeb Blunt, right? Yep. We left that same message for the CEO 42 days in a row <laughs> and the guy called back and said, you know, you're not stopping, are you? Interestingly, I, I shared that story myself in LinkedIn and it got one million views. Wow! Because um, it it really it really hit a raw nerve. But yep. you know, Jeb 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 is bang on, right? And that, that's my experience too. You need to be um, politely, but and positively persistent, and you do that on the back of the fact that you genuinely believe you can make a difference. And you think I've I've earned a conversation here because they're going to get value out of that conversation. My narrative is the right one. It's not about me and our products, right? It's about them and their results. On the flip side, you've recruited salespeople or sales professionals. How do you, you know, what yeah. do you do to get the best out of them? Oh, there's a lot of different things, but everybody has different intrinsic motivators, right? And so all salespeople of course, they're motivated to do a good job and earn income. They're in sales because they know they have a little more power over their income than if they were just in a static job. So that's an external motivator. And of course, you have to have the right compensation plan. But the real value will come when they're intrinsically motivated, when they have an internal desire to accomplish something. And there's different, I guess you can study Maslow's laws of hierarchy of the needs of people. And then Tony Robbins talks a lot about the six different needs that humans have. And each human or each person has different focus. Some people might crave security. Some people might crave love and relationships. Some people might crave adventure. Some people need that kind of ability to make their own choices and that flexibility and freedom. So you just have to find out what triggers and drives each salesperson and then allow them to enact on that. If, if a salesperson loves security, you have to then let them know that they're secure and let them know and give them the ability to make mistakes without getting punished, right? Yeah. Whereas if they crave relationships, they have to be able to talk to customers and you have to build that relationship. So you just have to find out what to them. So then that way they'll want to perform. And it's different for every sales rep. There's no one, one, one foolproof strategy. You just I guess that in the end, it comes down to you just have to get to know your sales rep and care. And just like a salesperson has to care about the customer, you have to care about your sales rep enough to give them what they want and need. How important is creating value in the sales process? It's the, it's the whole game. So the, the way that you have to think about this right now, uh, and this is, I'm, I'm right in the middle of my third book, which will go, come out in three weeks. So I'm right in the middle of the launch plan for that rather. And we're working on this. And what strikes me is how few people understand that this is a zero sum game. I know they know it yeah. um, consciously, but not their subconscious behavior doesn't really demonstrate this is a zero sum game. So either I win or you win. And if you win, then I lost. And if I win, then you lost. And so there's a finite number of clients and there's plenty to go around. I know that. So when people push back and they're like, no, you're saying this wrong. There's plenty of clients out there available, right? Sure there are. But when we both compete for one of them, one of us wins and one of us loses. Yeah. Okay. So that's how it works. So you're a competitor. So what you have to do is create the strongest preference to work with you and with your company on a solution, especially if it's a longer term complex B2B sale where we're going to work together for, I hope for decades. So you are trying to differentiate yourself in a way that says, I would rather work with Luigi than anyone else. That's the game that you're playing. So how do yeah. you do that? 
you create greater value than anyone else. And I'm not saying your product needs to create greater value because that's probably not true. Yeah. Everybody has a good product now. And I'm not saying that your company doesn't have something to say about this and play into it. Your company, it's great if you work for a great company, but I disintermediated and took out competitors uh, in the largest accounts in the city that I grew up in from the largest competitors in the world because I was willing to create greater value than they were. And that is the whole game. So if you want to win, they have to look and say, Luigi is the better choice and this is why. Yep. He's smarter. He's got greater situational knowledge. He has greater business acumen. He understands our business. He spent time with our people. He gave us a new way of looking at this. He gave us different questions to ask. This is the person that we want on our team. That's really what you're trying to do. And if you don't create value and you go in and you say, hey, Luigi, it's Anthony. And I'd like to start by telling you a little bit about me and my background and then my company. And then I'd like to show you the slides of all the big logos that we've already captured and then share with you my products. That doesn't create value for them. All you're doing is talking about you and you're hoping that all those other factors weigh heavily enough for somebody to say, yes, I'll buy from you. But they're not trying to buy that stuff from you. They're trying to buy from somebody who can help them really get the results. So when you're outcomes focused, then you position yourself as a trusted advisor and a peer and consultative. And that's all about value creation. Yeah, it's funny, you know, that whole, I think, what does Jeb Blunt say? You don't want to show up and throw up. So, you know, what you've just discussed is all about building value, building relationship and getting that trust um, where you can advocate and provide insight and advocate a solution. So thank you for sharing that.